And everyone said amen. The Lord is good. You can be seated. Thank you for standing and appreciate uh, the hymn team taking over. I, I was in the youth class. Uh, I purchased a few of Brother Harry's book. Uh, he preached for us Friday. We're going to have a little clip here in a moment uh, in the next part of the service. And uh, so uh, I was giving a few of the books away in there. I'm going to give a couple away in here if I can remember to do it. Uh, it's an excellent uh, sermon. It's like a little sermon book. Uh, he calls them devotions, but they're little sermons. And uh, <clears throat> so it's one of our younger generation coming along, and, and uh, he blessed us so much on Friday. How many are thankful for what the Lord is doing? God is working in our young people's lives. Listen, if you go to heaven, that's one thing, but you can't let everybody else not go. We have to get to heaven together. Hallelujah. And, of course, young people need all the support that we can give them. Now, we're going to go directly to uh, the word of the Lord, and uh, so grab your Bibles. Now, uh, hold to, uh, just turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, all right? Not, we're not ready there, but we're going to go to our first, or tr see if we can get to our first overlay. And we're talking today, uh, we're continuing our subject of forward in 2020. Today, the lesson is entitled Onward. Can you say that with me? Onward. And that's the song that we sang last week, Onward Christian Soldiers. Now, unfortunately, uh, I got a little clip of, the, of a, my songbook. Uh, my, I have about 200 old hymn books that I've collected over my lifetime. Um, a big chunk of those I received from my mother-in-law when she passed. She knew how much I, I loved them, and I was constantly trying to get hers when she was living, and she would have to say, no, no, those, those are mine. You have yours. These are mine. But when she passed, she made sure that they were passed on to me. And so I got a little bit of it here, and, and you can't see the words, unfortunately. But <clears throat> Onward Christian Soldiers is... Um, as I said last week, uh, it, these are the kind of songs that the people that are not Christians don't understand. They don't quite get. They want Jesus to just be sweet and nice and never talk about anything but just, you know, everybody's okay, no problems in the world. Uh, and, of course, that's not true. Jesus said you, you've got to get to heaven and you've got to be saved. And so uh, he, and we're going to look at it, several things here. But the idea that the church is an army that's marching to heaven, well, that many people see that as a militant and, and, and uh, inappropriate. And, uh, and so that's unfortunate because the fact of the matter is that Satan is our enemy and God has given us strength and we are in the army of the Lord. We are fighting against Satan. What they don't understand is the church isn't militant in the earth against countries and so on. It's militant against the forces of darkness. Now, Winston Churchill selected uh, in uh, the song was written in 1871 or was finished in 1871 and um, in, in England. And Winston Churchill in 1941 selected Onward Christian Soldiers as the as sort of the anthem of the war because they were being uh, Hitler was bombing London and uh, it, it was pretty bleak. In fact, if you are a history buff at all, uh, you know that uh, many of the British thought that their, uh, that their uh, chances were very slim. They expected to be invaded, and, and it really did look like Hitler was going to win uh, 
very, very few people put their odds on the Allies. They thought it was hopeless. And, but, but Churchill was one of these interesting kind of characters. And, and he said, I'm choosing onward Christian soldiers to uh, inspire, which, you know, one of the great uh, stories of, of Christian churches is the Salvation Army in England, uh, where it became absolutely uh, a phenomenon. And they, this song was written and used by them, and Churchill used it as well. When you're in your uh, greatest battle and the most difficult struggle, Brother French, uh, could you help me just for a moment? Uh, when you're in your biggest struggle, <clears throat> then you can trust the word of God to get you where you need to go spiritually. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Um, let's go to the next slide. So we're looking at revival as... Uh, victories of spiritual victories and righteousness. Anybody think the world needs a little more righteousness? Now, I, I love the little song, what the, what the World Needs Now. Uh, there's two or three versions of it, but the one I'm referring to is, uh, is Coca-Cola. Remember that song? <laughs> what the World Needs Now is Coca-Cola. Not because it does. I'm just saying I'm reminded of the song. But, but the fact of the matter is what the world needs is righteousness. It needs to turn to God and know righteousness. Now, we're going to um, uh, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, we're having a little bit of difficulty here because I'm not hearing anything that's going on. Now, let's look at verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Now, they're going to go to the next slide, and let's read four verses here. Now, <clears throat> this is very interesting uh, because, of course, it ties into onward Christian soldiers. And let's let's read verse uh the beginning here, thou therefore, my son, talking about Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So it is important for us if we're going to move forward. And of course, our theme is how to go from where we are, the January 2020, and have revival in these last days. Is anybody hungry for God to do something in your life? I want God to do a work. I want him to help me. So I need to be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for the grace of God, the mercy of God that he has given us so that we can know how we're supposed to move forward. Lord, we thank you for it and we magnify you for it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. So therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men. Now, all of these are, are critical, but I'm trying to get down a little bit further. So commit thou to faithful men. In other words, teach other people who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, here we come to uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, uh, basically describing a child of God as a soldier of Jesus Christ, someone who's in the army of the Lord, working against the enemies of, of hell and Satan. And how many of us we can have victory in Jesus? Hallelujah. So uh, the same, thou therefore endure hardness. So in other words, if you're going to be a good soldier, and of course we know this is true, that endurance is the quality of a good soldier. And uh, to endure hardness or difficulties, we could say that, or very hard 
times and very hard situations. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Now we'll leave that because uh, we'd have to almost retranslate that to deal with it. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him. To be a soldier. But I think you can see when you put it all together that a, if you're a soldier of the Lord, you're not supposed to let the, the uh, distractions and the things that could entangle you here. Uh, in other words, you have to change your, your focus and your priorities. Has anybody realized that in your resolutions? As a child of God, it's important that you, that you get your eyes off of the world and you get your eyes on the one that has chosen you to be a soldier. So in other words, what if, uh, what if the people defending our nation or other nations, what if they were so busy doing other things that they weren't even watching for the enemy? They were so busy being whatever they were doing. The point is that you get your eyes on the Lord and you will become a good soldier. Can you say praise the Lord? So this is sometimes called the Christian soldier's creed, these verses. So no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he, in order that he might please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. All right, now let's go to the next verse. Turn with me in your Bibles. How many have your Bibles here? Philippians chapter 3, Philippians 3 verse 12. Not, not as though I had already attained. Now, of course, we're really coming back to this because I, I used this last week. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend. Now, the word apprehend, you see, I've inserted uh, the pulpits. We've changed the pulpit because of, uh, why have we changed the pulpit? Because there's a wedding coming up and they need the pulpit out of here. Um, and so we have this one. But uh, uh, normally we have a little pointer, which is very anointed, but it seems to have been uh, taken out. So not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. So in other words, I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm doing. I'm not living this way because I, I think I'm perfect or I believe I've already reached the goal. But really, it's not about so much perfection. It is perfection, but don't, don't you think, oh, I'm because I'm, nobody in this world is absolutely perfect. It's not possible. I mean, nobody, only God knows God is perfect. And that's our goal is to be like him, of course. So what we're trying to do is to apprehend, which, of course, is the King James word for the Greek word, which means to own it or to possess it. I want to have what God wants me to have. He has brought me into this race. Uh, now, see, you notice how now all of the, uh, the storyline has changed from war now to a race. So I'm running a race. And uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't achieved it. I haven't won the race yet. I, in other words, what he's saying is I'm in the middle of the race. And I haven't, I haven't attained it. I haven't apprehended it. That is, I haven't yet possessed the, the championship. I haven't gotten my reward yet. That for which I am apprehended of Christ. In other words, he possessed me so that I could possess him. Praise God. <laughs> oh, brother, thank you. Thank you so much. I'll just take them both in case someone gets them. All right, thank you. Um, all right, now you'll see how powerful this is. You're going to feel the anointing just as I do it. So he says, I have not apprehended that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended. Now, see, that line, 
So that's why I'm reinterpreting it. So uh, he possessed me so that I could possess my reward. That's really what it's saying. So I haven't apprehended. I'm in the process of, of possessing my reward, and he possessed me so that I could do that. How many of us, we can't do anything without Jesus? We need him. We need to be closer to him. Just like a soldier. In other words, it's just a different part of the story. One is a race. The other is in the midst of battling evil. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I, don't, I haven't already gotten it. I haven't possessed it yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. For the prize. Now, uh, the, the King James translators have opted to say that it's the um, that it's the mark, like on the on on the asphalt. That the mark meaning I want to get over the line, and that could be that could very well be that the goal is to get to the end. All right, but the word, uh, the Greek word, allows us to think that it could also mean that we the goal is to reach. And for the prize that God has for us. Now, let me tell you, my friend, there's a lot of folks here today that if we could re if you could reach out in God, I want to your life can be different than it was last year. You can be better than you've ever been. And you can have what God wants you to have if you trust him, if you're willing to stretch. But you cannot yawn your way through your Cheerios and then say, well, I don't know why the Lord never blesses me. I don't know why, you know, so-and-so is happening and why this is happening. Listen, if you never teach your children righteousness, they're not going to know righteousness because Hollywood's not going to teach it to them. They're being taught everything unrighteous and then told that's perfectly fine. There's no problem with that. But if you teach them righteousness, what I'm telling you is you can achieve what you need to achieve. You can have young people. You can have children. You can have grandchildren that make it to heaven and reach and possess the thing that God wants them to have. And you can receive it today, what you need from God. Praise God. So I pressed forward. And, of course, last week that was, uh, that was our lesson, forward, going forward. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen. So we call those the keys to pressing forward. Now, let's, let's look at Matthew 17. The disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? So there was a demon, and uh, this, we won't get deep into the context, but they were trying to cast a demon out. Let's just leave it right there. And, uh, and Jesus said to them, they couldn't do it, and so he said, this was because of your unbelief. Now, this is... Uh, uh, this is very interesting that the disciples were told that they did not have the faith or the their their unbelief, the lack of faith. Their unbelief was the reason that they couldn't um, accomplish it. Very, very, very interesting. For verily, I say unto you, Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, which means very, very little, a very tiny amount of faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, then you shall say to this mountain. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost here this morning? 
You can say to the mountain. Now, some of you, 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 you do not realize how close you are to letting that mountain destroy people in your life, destroy your marriage, or destroy your children, or destroy your friends and others, or even yourself, because you allow mountains to get in the way of what you need to do. But you can say to that mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Of course, I made note last week that, and I'm doing all this because I want to build today. I want to get all the way to the end. No doubt. No doubt. Does anybody believe I can finish this lesson? Anybody believe it? Nobody in the whole place? All right. So, so remove hence to yonder place. You see, I, I know of no one. I don't believe there is an example of a human being that said to a mountain, I want you to lift up out of there and go to yonder place. There's no example. If it happened, it's not recorded. But if you ever needed it, and that was the point Jesus is making, if you need to move a mountain, there's power to move that mountain. Of course, there's no need to move. God put them right where they need to be. You don't need to be moving his. By the way, that's a good lesson. You don't need to be moving God's mountains. You don't need to be trying to get rid of what God has already done. But there are mountains in your life and mountains of your own. You can get rid of by faith. God can deliver. Now, here's what we need to do right now. There are people all around us in Jonesboro and Hampton and all, all over the place that need deliverance. I want us to pray for them right now that God will take that mountain out of their lives in Jesus' name. Maybe it's your son or daughter. Let's pray. Father, right now, I thank you because you can move the mountain that hinders us. Lord, we can move forward. We can move onward by faith. Lord, if we can be a soldier of the Lord, if we can run the race with patience, and if we can have faith, we can move the mountain, Lord, that's holding us back, and we praise you for it. Come on, put your hands together. Let's clap our hands for it. Father, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, what the devil often says is, well, if you weren't so emotional, if you didn't run aisles, if you didn't preach so loud, if you didn't uh, live so holy, well, the world would love you. Let me tell you something. The devil's never going to love righteousness. You're not going to convince him of it. You can try and try to be more and more like the, uh, all your uh, whoever. <laughs> That's not going to change a thing. What's going to change it is you having faith in God. That's what's going to make a difference. Praise God. There's power in the name of Jesus. Remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove. See, and that's sort of the end there. Then he adds this. Jesus adds this on. And nothing shall be impossible. To you. And I'm sitting here looking at a, a, a whole Sunday school class full of people that have things that you think are impossible right now. You think they're impossible. You don't believe God will ever save them. They're just hopeless. You believe that. You think they're so in love with the world that they're never going to walk through that door and stand before God and repent and, and be filled with the Spirit and baptized in His name. In your, now you say, oh, oh maybe, oh, oh, maybe. But in your heart, you really don't believe it can happen. But God wants to remove. If we could remove the doubt and let, and let the devil have that victory. In other words, until we believe it, it's not going to happen. You've got to begin to say, I believe God. God is going to do it. Praise the Lord. I was going to use an example. I got, uh, praise God. Is Brother French in here? Is he up there? All right. So uh, my associate pastor is my oldest son. And uh, 
the doctor said that uh, he had to have surgery when he was three months old. He did. He had heart surgery. They, it wasn't that they didn't work on the heart, but they put a stent in, right? They, or not, what do they call that? The, the uh, homograph, which is a, they had to put an artery in for him in order for him to live. It's called what they call a blue baby in those days. It, uh, and so he had tetralogy. And then when he was a two, about 18 months, almost two, they said, no, now we have to actually do open heart surgery on this baby. And it was, it was killing me as a, as a preacher of the gospel. Pastored in Chicago at the time. And it was a very, very, very trying. I think it was one of the great, it was the great trial of my faith. How was I going to preach that God can heal and, and that God is able and I'm facing a situation where I could lose my own son. In fact, the third surgery, uh, he grabbed me around the neck and he said, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I'll never forget it. It's in my dreams. It's as long as I live, I'll remember that moment. No, Daddy, don't let him take me. Won't forget that. But neither will I forget on the fourth open heart surgery, when it seemed like, it, Lord, I can't take it. In fact, I couldn't. I couldn't take it. Sister French was. She had to help me. She. She had. She had three boys, and then she had a fourth boy, which was me. My faith was so low, and she said, uh, "Honey, I understand. I understand, but I'm. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm trusting. I'm trusting." And we were. I forget where we were. I'll have to think about it. But we were anyway. And he said. Uh, we were singing those prayer songs, remember? Uh, they, were, they were King James verses, but the song, I remember the tune because I'm an expert on music. Um, when I am afraid, I will trust in him. What was the rest of it? Da, 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 da. Yes. Here's the real expert. Uh, yeah, when I am afraid, and we would sing it, and, and I could have to go out of the room and, and just to to let the tears flow a minute and come back. And he would say, we would sing, don't be afraid. <laughs> I was scared out of my brain. And a fourth open heart, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And, and, and we got, I forget where we were. I, I have to think, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And, and he said, but, but daddy, the, the, the shiny man came in and he told me everything's going to be all right. And I was a little like, uh, Just like, just like a preacher would, you know. And and I said, that, oh, oh yeah, the, the the shiny man, the shiny man. Yes, Daddy, the, with the big sword. He came right in here. Came right in this room. And he said, everything's gonna be all right. I want to tell you. Changed my life forever. Here he is preaching. <clears throat> God took him and helped him just like he said he would. So faith changes things. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the future. I don't know what might would have. I, I don't know what might have been. I have no way to know that. All I know is that God kept him and God helped. Even even if see, I'm not serving God because he heals me. That's not why I'm serving God, because he heals me. I'm serving God because he's God. He's great. He's greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. I'm serving God because he's wonderful. He's mighty. 
I don't think he's Santa Claus, and he'll come on and land on my roof or else. No, that's, that's this culture. That's, the, that's what's wrong with this culture. We love things so much that we've lost sight of what really matters. But if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed, and it, it will be, it'll be taken care of. I'm talking to you. Nothing, Jesus said. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't care how bad they are. Some of you don't believe that our prison services are going to make a difference. I tell you that it will make a difference. Somebody is being touched. Yes, they are. And I don't know. We, Brother McGee sent me the report, but we've had a lot of people get the Holy Ghost over there. Someone said, well, they're in jail. They're not going to get the Holy Ghost in jail. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're going to get the Holy Ghost. And they're going to get the Holy Ghost in our nursing home service. And the Lord fills them. We had a lady uh, one, become a very dear. And, of course, she's long past. But uh, I was witnessing to her. I used to work in a nursing home. And she said, well, I want the Holy Ghost. And I was like, uh-oh. Because I worked there. And then she said, I want to give you all my money. I'm not going to give it to my kids. I said, no, 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 wait, whoa, no, no. No, don't, don't do that. We don't want all your money. You, you, your kids, they never understand that, and that's not the, the step you need to take. All you need to do is believe God. And here she was in her 80s right there, never been in a Pentecostal church. So I had to come and get her, get permission, have her family come. They, they said, yes, you can take her to church. Hallelujah. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Her name was Smitty. And, and we got her into church. And there were about a 1,000 people there that night. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And we baptized her. You see, the devil says it, it can't happen. But, of course, it can. And it will. Because how many are praying for revival? Come on, lift both your hands and let's, let's just say, Lord, I want a different year. I want it to be the best year. Not just good. I want the best year. Lord, I don't think the devil's in charge. I think God is in charge. And we love you and thank you, Lord. Our faith is going to make the difference. And we praise you for it. Now, let's go to the next slide. I've, I've got to hurry because I promise you I'm gonna, I, I can just feel I'm going to finish. So, number one, to increase your faith, you have to be creative in conquering the frustrations in your life. You have to be very, very creative. And you have to employ the power of prayer and worship to infuse your life with enthusiasm rather than doubt, fear, and failure. See, some people, for example, when Pentecost started, people were speaking in tongues. They said, that's going to blow over. And it did. It blew all over the world. And now today, it's the fastest growing church in the world. They say, well, people that run aisles and jump up and down and get loud, that'll never work. But it worked just fine. And now it's the largest church in the world. You have to learn from the mistakes of others as well as your own mistakes. Now, this is another problem. <coughs> you, have to, you have to be willing to learn. You have to deal with the stresses in your life and their spiritual source and the solutions. In other words, you have to listen to the word of God. You have to listen to the man of God. And you have to allow yourself to respond. Now, I don't mean, you know, overnight. Sometimes you hear things, hey, 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 I, I wouldn't even, it took me years to come into this church. Years. I wouldn't even get baptized. I mean, that's how stubborn I was. They said, you ought to be baptized. And I said, no, 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 you're not baptizing me. So I'm not suggesting that it's going to happen overnight. Always strive for joy in living. Praise God. Can you say amen? You know, and it's not illegal to smile. 
Never allow the enemy to steal your peace. Some of you, come on, let's pray right now. Father, I pray for peace. Oh, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You don't have to understand everything. Just because I teach language and I have a degree in ancient language, that doesn't mean I, I know all about language. One of the great challenges of my ministry has been to accept that God can uh, cause people to begin to speak languages they don't know. I've been called to many, well, you know, several universities where they want to know. I was invited to a university where they said, uh, we want you to come in and none of these people are Christians. They just want to know what kind of a wacko you are. I said, well, I, I can show them that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I went in, and it happened to be they were all Muslims. And so I told them about uh, Jonathan. He was in the hospital at the time with, with cancer, my, my middle boy. And how God had healed him. And I said, so you can, the hospital's over here. Call them. They'll tell you. Doctor's there. They'll tell you what's happened. And, uh, and I told about several miracles. I said, so, it's, so to me, speaking in tongues is, when you say, can people speak in tongues, that's like saying, can the, can, can the sun shine? I mean, if God says you're going to speak in languages you don't know, he made me. There's a reason monkeys don't talk and people do. God made us this way. And so when we begin to speak a language we don't know, uh, well, it's a miracle, all right? So, uh, so God can help us, and he is helping the church. Now, trust daily that God believes in you and cares for you, thus producing a healthy self-confidence as well as a reliance upon the Lord. Can you say amen? All right, now let's go. Now let's go. We've got two more points, and I'm watching closely because I believe. I'm believing. I know you don't, but I believe. All right, now, first of all, you have to beware of disillusionment. So the number one problem distracting you from going forth, forward, or focusing, and from pressing forward could very well be disillusionment. Now, um, for example, down at the bottom, the longer the journey, where'd, where'd my thing? The longer the journey, the greater the chance that, in other words, the more things that happen to you. If the doctor walks in and says, this is cancer, well, that, that, that's going to impact you very, very much. You, you're not going to walk away from that. The longer the journey, the greater the chance that disappointment or discouragement will produce disillusionment. Now, let's go to the next slide. All right. Now, here's a definition. I'm just going to read this right here. A feeling of disappointment that results from discovering that something is not as good as you believed it to be. That's what we call disappointment. He was my husband. That was so and so. This is what I this is what I'm telling people. This is why politics can never save you. Politics is not the answer. Now, I, I'm not saying don't vote and don't be civic and so on. I'm just telling you that when you put your trust in man. Okay, let's go. All right, so you, you become disillusioned, all right? And then this is, uh, this is exactly the steps that will follow. All right, let's go to the next one, all right? <clears throat> Welcome 
to disappointment. Can you see at the bottom of that sign what it says? Can you read that? Don't stay too long. Now, many people have lived at disappointment for most of their life. And they think they can never overcome it because the circumstances are like a, well, see, I, want, I want to be careful. I, because it sounds like I'm making light of it, and of course I'm not. What I'm telling you is that no matter what you are facing, no matter what has disappointed you. Now, some disappointment is, uh, is uh, well, some disappointment is deeper than others. Some we bring on ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? We're disappointed, like uh, you didn't do as well. And so, I mean, that's something you could have done differently. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things. We're talking about life that impacts you, hurts at the bottom. I made a list of them. So uh, they, people have many times feel like that the disappointment is so deep. And this is, is so deep they cannot ever. They, for example, uh, I tell you, folks. You'd be surprised the people that when something really bad happens, they blame God. The very first thing they do. Now, it's very difficult to help people to untangle that because the logic is usually something like, well, if God is, you know, if God could. In other words, it's like if God. <laughs> they, in other words, God's responsible for all disappointment. That's really basically what they're concerned about which, of course, is the exact opposite. He created a perfect world, and sin destroyed that. And now we're walking our way back. We're, we're going to a perfect place. Anybody know heaven is a perfect place? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so anyway, if you stay in disappointment, don't fix it. Now let's go to the next one. Now I want to read Proverbs 19. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. All right. <clears throat> there are many devices in a man's heart. I'm reading Proverbs 19.21. Or the word devices, there's Hebrew, I teach Hebrew. So th th there are many plans in a man's heart that he wants to do. You know, and you hope for this and so on. This is part of the problem. That we have a lot of dreams and then we don't. Like, let's say you thought marriage is going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hallelujah. This French said for the first year we married, I thought you were going to be Prince Charming. <laughs> yes, you did. You didn't say that? Was that a dream? What was that? Well, what did I say? I've only got three minutes. What did I say? You said, I thought you were going to be Prince Charming. <laughs> because I was being an absolute, uh, not a nice person. <laughs> and I woke up one day and I said, I'm going to lose my relationship. I'm going to lose my ministry because I am so self-focused. See? So I said, no, 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 no. I'm changing. I'm changing. And, of course, now she says, you are Prince Charming. No, you've never said that either. No, she, she's never said that. I'm putting quite a few words, evidently. Uh, all right. So now I'm Mr. Wonderful. Anything else? No, I'm going to move on. All right. So there are many plans. Nevertheless, the, 
the counsel or the purpose of the Lord, it's going to prevail. Whatever God intends to prevail is going to prevail. Now, evil in the world, until heaven gets here, if someone chooses to do evil, only prayer and, and the purposes of God can alter that. So we've got people murdered right around us. I mean, elderly people being robbed in their homes. But guess what? God is able. His plans are going to prevail, which means when he says he's coming, he's coming. Of course, the major point here is that all of this should draw us closer to God. Now, all right. All right, come on, here we go, Galatians 6, one more minute. No, so the, the last thing is to deal with being tired of trying to deal with things, all right? So dealing with weariness is, we're going to begin with the law of saw, sowing and reaping, all right? Be not deceived, God is not, what? For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, many people are complaining about reaping, but you cannot, you cannot not reap. It's a law. It's like jumping off a building. You can't complain about hitting the ground. All right, now, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now, and there, of course, it is. Now, of course, we know that means death and uh, the corruption of the flesh of the body and so on. But the, the, what, is, what is really intended to be seen here is that what sin does to us, let's call that, uh, well, we'll call it corruption, but sin destroys people. For example, you think you you think a parent hurting a child is is normal and natural? That's not normal and natural. You think cheating on your spouse is normal? No, that's not normal. We're in a world where evil is now said, well, no problem. But let me tell you, there is a way, and that's through the Spirit. You can overcome the corruptions of sin, and your life can be altered. Can you put your hands together? I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Now, let's read the last verse there. So we just looked at it. And let, let us not be weary. Everybody say weary, which just means it's a way to say tired in, in well-doing or doing good. And this, of course, is the great, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to stop, but this is critical. Doing good is essential, but sometimes it's, it's a job. Living holy can be, take all the strength you've got in this world. For in due season, see, don't be, don't be tired. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. All right? Let's stand. I want to read Isaiah 40. Let's go to the last slide. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Does anybody need power today? And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. That's what sin does. We won't get into that. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Could you lift your hands with me right now? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Come on, let's ask the Lord to strengthen us. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Father, right now, I pray that the word of the Lord in this lesson will motivate us to the greatest year we've ever had, that this church will be a powerful lighthouse, that we will be humans, failing humans, that find strength in the Lord and become a different person by the power of your might. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen.